Welcome to the Church Safety Guys broadcast with hosts James McGarvey, Paul Buckner, and Mike Scully. Together, they make up the Church Safety Guys. Their mission, to equip, train, and disciple church safety teams. Join us for the next hour as we talk about all things church safety and security. Don't forget to like our Facebook page, join one of our church safety and security communities online, and share this broadcast with your church. Well, good evening and welcome to the Sunday night evening broadcast of the Church Safety Guys. I am James and I am joined by Paul Buckner and Mike Scully. How are you guys doing tonight? Good evening. Paul, I dance like no one's watching Buckner. (laughs) (laughs) You do. You know, since since we set up the the season three... um, the season three intro and we've we've got a, a specific soundtrack and everything it's kind of disappointing because i don't see you dance as much as you know we used to eh, maybe next week we'll have to cue the the western music to uh to get you going techno. no maybe with some techno <laughs> techno <laughs> mike's like xnay on the techno <laughs> oh i love to, i love the techno don't get me wrong I, but I think I, I just love our new track. So well, uh, yeah, that could be because you picked it out. Maybe bias. 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 There's a, we're, we're Simon. We need to talk to him because we got to talk about bias here. So <laughs> anyhow, if you just joined us, thanks for, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. If you uh, are watching this at a later time on YouTube or um, on a podcast, make sure to click that in the lower right-hand corner subscribe button that helps us out on YouTube. And then also with the podcast and uh, you'll be, you'll be informed of updates and um, things that we announcements that we have and that sort of thing. And as always, you can visit our website at churchsafetyguys.com and there's some great resources and information on there. Uh, folks that we've partnered with folks that have partnered with, with us and our ministry to equip train and disciple church safety and security team. So thanks for, thanks for hanging out with us uh, tonight. I think it's probably the first time in a, in a little bit of time that we haven't actually had a guest on. So it's actually just the three of us. So if you're, if you're listening to this, you, you unfortunately have the pleasure of, or, or the, I don't know, displeasure of, of listening to, you know, all of our bad jokes for the next 55 minutes. (laughs) So do us a favor, post where you're listening from, what church, what church you, uh, you go to down in the comments and uh, feel free to like, and share any of any of our broadcasts with your church safety team. But tonight um, I kind of wanted to to do, do things a little bit different. And as always, if, if you guys, when we're doing a live broadcast, if you have any questions, please feel free to, to post them below and uh, we will try and get to um, try and get to them through the evening. So tonight we, I wanted to talk about the three questions that we get asked the most often or the three scariest questions that nobody wants to ask, but everybody has in the back of their mind. So, you know, it's Halloween scary. That might be a, a little bit appropriate for the evening. I don't know. So 
Uh, for starters, so I'll throw the question out and then the three of us will just talk about it from our experience and and hopefully that's uh, that's that discussion is helpful to you guys because I know that there are always folks that listen. Um, I mean, we we regularly one of us throughout the week, almost daily, sometimes we take turns, but we have folks reach out to us and they'll say, hey, I'm handling this situation or handling this. How would you how would you guys recommend I handle this situation? And so these are kind of like the three, I don't know, most asked questions um, that we typically see across church safety. And then, um, you know, most of which that, that we get asked on a regular basis. So I'll, I'll throw out the first one. Um, so the first question is, how do I get along with leadership? Right? So I'm going to let Paul answer that one because no. <laughs> he's cracking me up. So, yeah, we'll, we'll start the Jeopardy theme song clock here. You have 60 seconds to answer this, this question. So, so I, I had a conversation with, with one of the pastors. He's the pastor that I answered to for my church. And, um, we were having a conversation about church safety. And I think that over several churches he's been with over the years, he's seen the good, the bad, and the ugly of church safety. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and we've seen teams that are so neutered that they can't function. And we've seen church safety teams that have run amok and are pretty much dictating to the leadership, everything that's going to happen, which I think probably in, in the dark recesses of many of our minds, we're like, what must that be like? But to be able to to be able to dictate terms. But when we had this conversation, I said, Here, here's how I look at this. I work for you. And he looked at me for a couple of seconds. We were having a cup of coffee. And I said, I work for you. Uh, case in point, recently, uh, we have a lady that we escort out every Sunday because of a ex parte issue, which, by the way, we need to revisit that. James talking about ex partes. But mm -hmm. we were we were talking to, to her and uh, I came in and said, hey, she she thinks that she was followed here by the gentleman with the ex parte, um, identified a vehicle that she thought was his. And I said, um, I've notified the deputy at the door, the guys on duty, we've got, we've got pictures of them. We're going to keep an eye out. I said, how do you want me to proceed? And the solution that they came up with was not the one that I would have picked. Um, I would have gone for uh, trespassed uh, by myself and the deputy with, with an understanding that you have violated your ex parte and sure. you're probably going to leave the part the premises in handcuffs. Um, but, but leadership, leadership gets to call certain shots. And like I, like I told that pastor, I know I'm over that 60 seconds, but like I told that pastor, I said, some of us would like to have Delta force on the roof, uh, Blackhawks circling, um, Abrams tanks, we're wanting two-year-olds and he starts <laughs> laughing. And I said, I'm, I'm being silly. Exactly. Like, you know, I'm going to have to wand your two-year-old and, uh, is this your crayon? Um, <laughs> That's not, I mean, obviously it, gets, it can get ridiculous. We want to have an open ministry that everyone can come to and feel welcome. And we want to be as invisible as possible with our security, a scalpel, not a sledgehammer. And so to answer that question, I serve at the pleasure of, and I do the bidding of the leadership of my church. Um, there are times that I've gone <clears throat> with respect. I would not advise that course of action. But I work for them. You have to, I mean, we could spend an, honestly, we could spend an hour on each one of these topics tonight. And 
you know, after actually after the break, we want to talk a little bit about the class that uh, that Mike and I had the chance to go to uh, with Matt Combs of Shield Force uh, International down in Missouri. But uh, I will say very similar and quickly, and I'll throw it over to you, Mike, very similar to what Paul said. Um, <clears throat> Usually when I talk to, and, and oversight pastors change, you know, most churches have, uh, unless it's a real, real small church, but you still have an oversight pastor, someone that you basically answer to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would be, it was kind of funny. I, this past week I was telling my oversight pastor that, that we were talking about this tonight and, you know, he just raised his eyebrow and looked at me <laughs> he's like, oh, you're talking about how to get along with me, huh? <laughs> And I, and I have to laugh and I'll, and I'll be the first one to say it because most of the time, the individual that has the experience with safety and security in the church, whether it's, you know, public safety or whatnot, they're asked to do that because they have some level of experience and they usually have more of an experience in public safety than the leadership of the church does. So it's kind of a catch 20 situation where it's like, okay, we're going to put you in charge, but then we're going to do what we want. And in some cases you you just kind of have to follow us and do whatever, whatever you can, or you think you should do to keep us safe. But at the same time, we're going to call the shots. So I think to an extent, uh, you have to pick and choose uh, the bat your battles, and you have to pick and choose the hill that you want to die on, and decide if it's worth dying over. And in in all seriousness, usually when I talk to our our pastors or oversight pastors, I'll say there's you know there's two things I ask. One that when I have a concern and it's a legitimate concern, that you listen to that concern like hear me out and listen to everything I say. Like, don't, don't interrupt, hear me out when I explain my reasoning for having this position. And the second thing is usually when I call, like if I, if I pick up the phone, we can text all day long, but if I pick up the phone and call you, I, I just ask that you respect my phone call and consider that a, a higher level of importance and answer it. And I, and I said, you know, honestly, I will, I will show you the same level of respect. If you call me on the phone, I will answer it, you know, if it's a hundred percent at all possible. And, and that way we've established a a level of respect to be able to say, okay, I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to do what you, you know, what you'd like me to, but at the same, at the same time, um, you know, I, I, on a lot of cases, I act like a funnel, right? Everything from my team comes up through me and then I have to pick and choose what is legitimate to take to the leadership. And from that standpoint, I think, I think Paul, you're right on because I serve at the pleasure of the leadership at any particular time. They could say, look, we, we don't want you to be the safety director anymore. We want somebody else to, it's not a self-nominated position. It's they, they asked me, um, cooperative in my situation i went to them and said i have some ideas and they're like hey you can you're fantastic you can run with that and a lot of churches do that but at the end of the the day it's a it's a team it's a partnership they have to look at everything and a lot of times and i said this to my pastor the other day i said you know what you see stuff that i don't always see and as much as I want to say, I, I want everybody to be safe, I'm going to protect everybody, I'm going to set all this up, 
they see stuff and they they get information that I don't always get. Yeah. And so they're weighing in their mind the correct response and action to something when you go to them and say, hey, I think we should do this. And, you know, they're trying to collectively look at everything. So you can't always say, well, they didn't listen to me. It's on them and, and get mad about it. Well, I mean, you can get mad about it, but. <laughs> and you got to forgive them or you don't get forgiven and it gets awkward. So, yeah. Mike, what do you think? So I, I serve in an interesting um, setup, and I think uh, we have three pastors, and they kind of are three friends that serve together. Two of them are brothers, and it is a very tight-knit set of three. But what I've found is that they very much um, take the call that Jesus has put out there of sowing his influence and passing that ability for us as individual leaders to step up and lead. And so I think the while we serve at their pleasure for, for sure, I think there's a lot of deference that they do give to us in that key area. And I think at different points, it's, it's certainly characterized as in, well, the security, just like I think when you have that conversation with somebody who's not in church staff or church security, and you say, I'm in church security, well, they immediately have this connotation of what that means. Sure. And I think even the pastors... <laughs> exactly. I think even the pastors can have that perspective at times. But I think a lot of it is, uh, and I, I sat down with two of them this week and said, look, to me, safety ministry is about creating an environment, facilitating an environment where people not just are safe, but feel safe, because right. that is the opportunity where God can move in the most poignant of ways. And it's not that he needs us to do that job effectively in order to move. It's just that for certain people, they may not be reached without that. So I think that's that's kind of a big one. Um, but sowing that influence, I think, is key. I think being having the ability to share and have a two-way conversation with the pastors on a regular basis. And, of course, truly serving. And in other words, I think when we try to help our teams, it's not just teaching or talking down or, or presenting from one perspective, but we need to, as leaders, take on um, the, the, the Jesus perspective of washing feet and mm -hmm. really serving and saying, what can we do? And, and I think that's kind of the mindset that a lot of us try to take. So I, it's a two-way street. I think the conversation with them is great. I think when they give us the ability and autonomy to lead and step up, mm. that's, that's even better. And so I, I, I feel like we're, that I'm in a very blessed spot to, to say that I have that. I will, I will say real quick, ab absolutely. I think the better relationship that you have with, on a friendship level mm. with the pastors. And, and I know, I mean, uh, the three of us get along like nobody's business, but I'm just going to say, I know all of us have said this before, the better your relationship is with on a friend level outside a church with that pastor, the, the better relationship you'll have when you need to go to that, that pastor and say, Hey, I, I'm concerned about this because I can tell you, um, we've, you know, we've had pastors switch uh, in our in our church in the last two years, 
And my oversight pastor now was my oversight pastor two years ago. And two years ago, I had a hard time getting along with him because he, he didn't, we didn't have a great relationship. He didn't really think a lot about security. And then for a year, I got a pastor that was 10 years as a police officer. So it was like, oh, you know, I mean, we got along fantastic. We still talk to each other. Uh, in fact, he yesterday he was at Jim Howard's conference down in in um, uh, in Florida that we were actually we were able to send their church to that conference. CSG was church safety guys were because of donations and trying to help, you know, help churches get good training. So um, now that now that he left, I'm, I'm back to this other oversight pastor. And honestly, because we had that year off to develop a relationship and become better acquainted and friends outside of church. Now we're like, hey, you know what? I'm really concerned about this. Oh, you are. OK, let's sit down and talk about it. So, you know, getting to know your folks um, getting to know your leadership outside of the 30 seconds in church and understanding, you know, if you're going and talking to them about a security concern, um, Sunday really isn't the time to be talking to them about that because their mind is 8 million miles away with mm -hmm. trying to do the service and, and every, oh, you know, all the sweet ladies that come up to them and are like, hi, thank you <laughs> and everybody else. So, but good stuff. All right. So question two of what do we get? What do we get asked a lot or, or safety, church safety and security questions that you aren't sure that are scary that you aren't sure you want to answer. So number two, what do I need to do to carry a gun in my church? And, and I'm just going to collectively let the two of you sigh because I heard that audibly. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, the, the oh my question, gosh, <laughs> the question that we get asked often and, you know, for the, for the folks that, um, uh, you know, I, I've told you guys this story, but, you know, I was up at, up in Wisconsin in Green Bay with um, Scott Ryan and, and Jason Weber and their, their church safety conference earlier this year. And it feels like an eternity ago because it was before COVID, but you know, I, I was on a panel and one of the first questions that was asked was, you know, I, I want to carry a gun at my church. My pastor doesn't want me to. How do I handle it? And, you know, I think my response to this, and then I'll throw it over to you guys, is just, you know, there's so much beyond having a firearm in church safety and security. And yes, it's a tool. Yes, it can be helpful if you're trained well on it. Um, it's nice to have in the what if situation, but to be perfectly honest, if your if your leadership church leadership doesn't want to focus on firearms, then you know what I would take that and set it off to the side and then plug away and work on something else because there's always medical training, there's always de escalation, there's always something that you can do hands on to learn and be better um, and be better prepared because again i think less than a half of a percent of the time is a firearm really necessary now we like to think it's you know and, and don't get me wrong i you know i like training i like carrying i'm not saying don't carry i'm just saying for sake of priorities as as a leader you might be the one that has to control the enthusiasm with your team to say you know what, let's focus on this right now because this is more beneficial than whether or not we have a firearm. 
So, Mike, what do you think about that? I'll throw it to you because because Paul's still still <laughs> taking well, notes. Yeah. The, the the fast answer is C question one. We just covered it. How do yeah. you get along better with your pastor? That's mm-hmm. the first thing. But I think the that that's kind of the fast answer. But I, I would really sit there and say, oh, first off, you have to look at the kind of person that asks that question. And if that's Absolutely. their leading question, that's telling you more about them than necessarily your team. So I think that's certainly an important spot. But I think I look, I'm going to look internally for for myself for a second and say that over my journey in leadership, I've seen my own perspective evolve on on this issue. And really from a standpoint of uh, understanding not only where its relevance is as a tool and one of those tools, but also to understand that not everybody on the team is going to carry not everyone should. Sure. And and I think in that sense, now, that's not saying that if you have a team, then you're blessed with, they all are, have that ability, then great. But it's not looking at it and saying, well, you don't want to carry a gun, so I don't want you on the team. And that's not necessarily the right mindset for leaders either, I think. And so I've looked at it in different ways. Now, that can change based on your environment based on the type of church that you're, you're, you're trying to provide protection for. Uh, some of us have camera rooms, so we have the ability to put somebody like that behind the cameras, okay? We can put them in another area as an extra set of eyes. They can be as another person perhaps in the auditorium or sanctuary and being on radio, on comms with the rest of the folks. So the the layers of protection of security are not exclusive just to the gun. So again, I'd go back to that person and say, understand, are, do they have the mindset that it takes to be part of the safety team, regardless of the gun question, and then address the gun question? Boom. Fair enough. Mr. Buckner? So it goes back to trust, which oh, is almost time's exactly up. what you just Let's said. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, I would say we have to remember that you're 100% likely to have a medical issue. You're about 10% likely to have a fire and about 1% likely to have a shooting, stabbing or something that you would need, you know, a, 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 a gun. And then definitely start somewhere else. And this is not unique to us. I've heard Dan Blevins talk about this. I've heard several people on our show talk about this. Mm-hmm. Start somewhere else. Start with medical. Um, start with protecting the kids area. And, and let that become part of your culture. And I found that a lot of the older ladies in their various ministries, as they started realizing we were responsive to this and doing that, we had radios, we'd communicate with them, we'd go get somebody to, to take a kid to the bathroom. When we began to do all these things, a lot of the naysayers for the firearm side of it got out of the way. And, it, and an unfortunate reality of the world we live in is if you're an unarmed safety team and you're doing safety, there will be another shooting, God forbid, but you know it's going to happen. It'll be at a school. It'll be at a church, a mall. And then people are going to start going, right, but our team's not armed. And so you'll you'll probably experience a groundswell that will come up behind you. They may come to you and say, um, Mike, why, why aren't you guys armed? I heard you guys aren't armed. And unless you're part of a, a diocese or something that, that you can't because they control your church, if you are your own entity, you may find a lot of times what's what pushes the pastors is the groundswell of public opinion. 
And if, if you are doing a really good job humbly, you've got a good presence in the parking lot, your ushers are doing good, your radios are doing good. If you prove faithful over a little, odds are, especially if you're training and you don't think you're Wyatt Earp, um, well, my wife's a nurse and I got me a, a snub nose 38. We got this handled. If you have a, a humble heart to go, hmm, this is where I really am. This is my actual skill level, which brings us into our next question really well. Um, if you're humble about it enough to go, maybe I'm not where I need to be and I need to be training. If you can kind of prove faithful and you've got these classes that you're maybe paying for yourself. Anyway, somewhere in there is a, is a roadmap sketched on a dinner napkin of ways to get to an armed environment. But honestly, as my firearm is right here, you can't see it, but it's right here. That's how I live. It's either on me or it's within arm's reach. But it really, in all of the time I've done church safety, I've almost never needed one. And that's, you know, that that's applicable to those clock guys too, that are specifically like, well, I've got to have a, <laughs> as he reaches, Are you, mocking me? <laughs> you know, I say that, but right on my hip and I'm not going to pull it out, but right on my hip is one as well. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I felt, I felt I was in good company because back when we had Carl Tin <laughs> on, he had like 15 guns and some right. whiskey and things were exploding yeah. on the mountain behind him. He had like a 30, 30 sitting on his, down <laughs> his table. So, yep. All right. So the, the third question that, that uh, maybe your team's asked or somebody's asked, or we've all heard it and we, we continue to get asked is uh, how much training do I really need? And I, you know, <clears throat> training and, and, and Semper Disciplina, right? Training is, is never something that is um, forgotten or limited. So um I know when, when I mentioned that we were going to talk about that tonight, Paul's head just about exploded. <laughs> like what? All of it. <laughs> but um, you know, the reality is you got to revisit topics. I mean, honestly, we try and do a medical and a firearm thing once a year, one in the spring, one in the fall, that seems to work out good for us because a lot of folks travel during the summertime. Um, but you know what, if somebody misses a, a specific training, then we'll we'll revisit it another time or we'll you know we'll go back and and we'll we'll do it again and again offering the same thing consistently so different people can meet it i get frustrated just as much as the next person when folks don't show up for training especially if you put a lot of time and energy and effort into it but i will say that being in that role, that's just something that you really have to, to get over. Like you have to get past getting angry at somebody for not showing up or getting frustrated with somebody for not showing up. So realistically, um, you know, I love to try and encourage folks to, you know, do training on their own. Hey, if you have a chance to go to a conference, you know, next, next, week, I think in, in central Ohio, for those listening, Dan Blevins is going to be in Dayton and he's doing a very reasonably priced uh, two day Friday night, all day Saturday conference. So, you know, there, there are options of training um, across the board. It doesn't even have to be, you know, go, go get some, take a class on de-escalation or, you know, look up, you know, your local resources and when you can get into something, it doesn't have to be on, the church's time, but make a list of things that you feel 
you are lacking personally in and go out and research how can I get this stuff done? And, you know, for me, we're going to talk about it after the break a little bit. But for me personally, I felt like the next class that I wanted to challenge to challenge me uh, in learning was an executive protection class. And so I got the, the, the pleasure and privilege to go um, with Mike to, you know, Matt Combs class down in Missouri. So I'll throw it over to, to Mike and then, you know, Paul, you can wrap up. I think it's it's really good. I think for me, it's a matter of looking at training in two perspectives. Training as an individual, which is the Semper Disciplina, always be training, find out what the next opportunity can be and pursue it. As a leader, it's always trying to say, okay, you're somewhat at the mercy of the turnover of your team. Hopefully we don't have a lot of turnover. COVID is going to cause disruption and turnover in all of our teams. And that is going to reset the shot clock for a lot of us in how we approach training. And I think we need to take, I think if we rewind back, I think it was you, Paul, and we both commented about the idea of taking advantage of this season of COVID and making sure that we exit this season with a much different position than where we entered. And I took that to heart for sure. But let's do that with training as we hopefully start to exit or shift into another layer here. Let's take that back to our teams and approach training from that perspective. I would like to see everybody on my team attend a conference at least once per year. I'd love to see us bring somebody in as a guest speaker that whether it's somebody from down the street who runs their team or whether it's a top-notch consultant like some of our partners, just bring somebody in because we're not the keepers of all the knowledge. We're not the only people to train our teams. Yeah. So we right. need to seek beyond ourselves in order to impart that wisdom to the teams because even even we're going to pick up gold nuggets when those people come to our church. And then I think beyond that is adopting a quarterly plan, whether that is, uh, yes, it's hard to execute sometimes, but I think quarterly needs to be something where whether it's a range day, whether it's a medical training, whether it's research on on CPR or other sorts of things, have something intentional and be quarterly, but also track that down with each of your members. Just because somebody joins three weeks after you had your last quarterly training doesn't mean that they didn't need that information. So we have to find ways to make sure that we're constantly auditing our team. Have they received that last training? Absolutely. And document, I'm going to throw it over to Paul. I'm just going to say real quick, document the training, document, 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 because if you didn't document it, it didn't happen. And there should be a, there should be some way of keeping track of who did what or who went through what class in the church. And then if you want to keep one separate as a leader to, to kind of monitor and keep track of stuff, or have each individual keep track of their training separately or individually, but, but definitely keep track of it. So and the reason this is so important guys is in court mm -hmm. when the, when the, when the other lawyer is going that Paul Buckner, he's just crazy. And he, he was just looking for somebody to shoot. And then, then you can take a stack and lay down de-escalation training, hand-to-hand -hand training, fire safety, medical, and you can lay all this stuff down and go, no, he had a lifestyle of training. And unfortunately, the only option he had was two shot center mass. 
Um, so there's so much to this question. I, I love all three of these questions. Well, well chosen, James. I love all three of these. So <laughs> you mentioned something, James, I want to go to, and then I'll bounce to a couple of things that you said, Mike. Um, a lot of times we think as guys, we're like, well, I already took that class. Why do I need to take it again? And I saw one of the most high speed guys that I know. He is one of the nicest, most dangerous men I know. You could not pay me to try to take this guy on head to head. And in a class, I saw him stumble during one of the drills and need to go back over it. It was a little bit embarrassing. It was among peers. I was honored to be in there because let me tell you, I was chasing this group a little bit. I was kind of behind this group, but he's he kind of he kind of made a couple of jokes, but you could see him going, okay, I need to sharpen this. This is a perishable skill. I don't care how, how uh, as uh, Alvin Bowen says, how much of a black cat, black clad ninja you are, you need to get range time in, you need to practice, you need to go back again. Um, and there are so many things that we can do, whether it's COVID or not, that are inexpensive. I'm getting ready to start taking some Brazilian jiu-jitsu because my ground game is nada. Full, full, full disclosure, nada. I do not have a ground game. My ground game is I'm going to poke you in the eyeball so we don't go to the ground. <laughs> And so <laughs> I have no ground game. Yeah. And so, so so if you guys know of any Brazilian jiu-jitsu instructors that want to partner with CSG, the true safety guy. Well, there's one not too far from me that has a $10 mat fee. And so for $10, they'll beat you up. And um, which works for me. And so you can go every day of the week for 10 bucks. And as in you pay 10 bucks at a time. Now think about that you don't get to stop and call timeout in the middle of fighting for your life. You don't get to go, hold on. I need six months of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I need six months at the range. I need six months of de-escalation. You don't get that. Mm. And so to, to go down through here, fire safety, medical, as in CPR, AED, uh, wound packing, tourniquet application. And then um, if you're, if you're failing to plan, this should be on a board somewhere. And Mike, you're huge about this. You've got diagrams that go out forever. And, <laughs> And you, you need to have plans that have plans that have grandchildren. And you're thinking, okay, I want I want this done, this done, this done, this done. And even with COVID, all of us that are on this podcast right now, this broadcast right now, we've done training even with COVID. And so what I'm not saying is shame on you, but I'm saying you can find ways. You can listen to podcasts. I mean, yeah. uh, security through prevention is one of them right off the top of my head. Simon's got a good one. And, uh, and uh, just always be sharpening your mind. And then um, talking about back to what you said, James, earlier about, about retaking something. I've got law enforcement friends that I got three of them a class and we went through at the same time and they didn't have to pay out of pocket. And the way that it was handled, they didn't have to pay out of pocket. So we go through this class together. And when it was over, they said, man, we learned a lot of the stuff at the academy, but the way he taught it, and I'm going to use my words, not theirs. We got a deeper understanding of these things. And he's so high speed. This is Alvin Bowen, TriPoint Tactical, that he turned around and was giving them body armor tips, like don't place things where, you, where your draw stroke's going to be and all these little things. And they're like, man, this guy's high speed. And I'm like, I've, it would take a long time for him just to explain what he knows. And then um, Simon has, if you're looking for an inexpensive way to regularly be deepening your understanding of church safety, Simon has the Worship Security Association. I have a membership and I'm a little remiss the last month or so in, in how much I've been watching, but this is the Netflix of, of church safety. And it, even with COVID, we shouldn't be sitting on the couch watching, you know, watching uh, Lifetime movies. We need to be learning and training. And 
Simon's Worship Security Association is no joke. This is good stuff, and you're paying. I mean, is it even ten bucks a month? And uh, something like that. That's about what it is now. Yeah. So he's, anyway, he's he's working on on changing that up. But I'm just going to say before we go to a break, real quick, if you're watching Lifetime at all, you shouldn't be on a safety team. <laughs> <laughs> you, need to, you need to turn in your, your safety team card. Um, I mean, at least Hall, at least Hallmark is defensible by most of our spouses. But yeah, well, our spouses may go for it, but I will tell you, I only am involved under duress. <laughs> so, hey, thanks for thanks for hanging out with us, guys. We're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're actually going to talk about the the training that uh, all three of us have actually taken the same class. Some of us more than others, but uh, so hang out with us and uh, we'll be right back with you. There are many churches around the country that understand why church security is important, but they are having a hard time understanding how to do it well. Our national two-day seminar takes the security of the church from the why to the how. Friday night kicks the seminar off with a lot of core topics covered to include verbal de-escalation and conflict resolution. We can't ever forget that the church is here for the hurting and the broken. That we want the hurting and the broken to be in our church each week. Balancing security with a welcoming heart is something that takes intentionality to be able to do both well. In today's society, people are walking through the doors of our churches expecting that everyone that is working in some capacity is capable of handling any security issue that may arise. If we are representing our churches with our service, then we all need to be standing on the wall securing the ministry of our church so that the work of God is able to be done in the hearts of everyone coming through the doors. We would love to see you at one of our seminars in the near future or be willing to host one in your community. For more information or to register, visit our website at cv-ministries.com. We hope to see you soon. With over 50 years of experience with religious and nonprofit organizations, Thomas Alexander Insurance and Associates understands that your congregation is different from a traditional business. We're here to fulfill your needs, coming to you while creating a personal plan for your budget and size. From your local community to around the globe, we are advocates for you. Thomas Alexander Insurance and Associates, your partner in service. The Church Safety Guys is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping equip, train, and disciple church safety and security teams. We are about all things church safety and security, which starts with a ministry mindset and a servant's heart. We are protectors, guardians, ambassadors, and shepherds. We help church and place of worship safety and security teams all over the United States through our broadcasts, online communities, conferences, trainings, resources, and products. Help us reach more churches in impactful ways by considering becoming a monthly ministry partner. $2, $5, $20 a month will help us continue to provide these resources.
All right, welcome back to the Sunday night evening broadcast of the Church Safety Guys. And if you're listening to this at a later time on YouTube, please uh, feel free to, to click that like and subscribe button on the lower right hand corner. And if you're listening to us on a podcast, do the same, please, because that we track all that information and and uh, it's very useful to us to, to figure out who's listening to us and and why. I don't know. Actually, I don't know if why is ever answered, but <laughs> anyhow. All right. I crack myself up sometimes. So um, <clears throat> so we, we just wrapped up. We were talking about three questions that that get asked often in church safety. And so now we want to talk about uh, we actually had uh, the opportunity two weeks ago to uh, meet in Springfield, Missouri. Uh, we actually uh, the three of us met for the first time, which was, trust me, Paul is, is just as brainy in person as he is on, uh, with the puns, I, I was about ready to poke my eyeball out. <laughs> but uh, we actually, Mike and I actually went and we did a class with, uh, on executive protection with Matt Combs of Shield Force International. And uh, Matt uh, is one of our, our show sponsors. Uh, we'll, we'll actually broadcast sponsor will actually have a uh, an ad, ad video from him soon that uh, that will definitely be playing when we get the chance to but um, Matt does a fantastic job with a whole assortment of classes and so I just wanted this is actually a class that Mike and I took together and then Paul took uh, twice um, he failed it the first time, and so he had to go back. To, no, I'm joking. He didn't fail it the first time. He took it twice because he felt like there was more that he could get from it, and and I'm I'm inclined to agree with that because yeah. Matt um, Matt does a fantastic job. Um, he is a very seasoned instructor and had the opportunity to, to do a lot uh, despite his young age. And I, I will start it off by just saying that I think it's one of the best hands-on practical classes I've ever taken. Um, and so many times, and we talked about this a, a little bit ago, but so many times in church safety and security, we, we get lectures. And, and this, this was not a lecture. This was a three-day class. It was very time-intensive, um, stress-intensive, stress-induced, you know, um, on, on purpose to make you think in a high stress situation. And yet, um, you know, I walked away like, you know what, I really learned something. And, and it is probably one of the first classes that I would, I would go do it a second time, just because I feel like I could learn more and do a better job the second time. So for sure, there's so much there. I mean, 30 hours of training in executive protection is is still scratching the surface but the intensity of those hours uh paul no joke i mean we certainly had the preview uh with what you were able to share and kind of obviously make us want to take that course even more so but yeah. i think it was it was great so i mean the 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 chance to have the three of us meet in person aside because that was awesome that was great yeah. Um, but this class, I think really in that sense is that there was just so much there. And while the course portion, the presentation or lecture portion was very rich, there was a lot there. 
there's constantly, I mean, I still go back through the notes and so forth, multiple pages of notes, and I'm still picking pieces out of that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I forgot about yeah. that. And and there's just so much there that we uh, drank from a fire hose that entire time. Yeah. And that's that's what was crazy. I honestly, I took the class with the curiosity of, you know, I've gone through verbal de-escalation classes. I have gone, I've studied uh, verbal, uh, verbal judo. I've read through one of, one of my favorite topics to research and study is the secret service and how they operationally act and respond. And so for me, I had all of these things kind of categorized in my brain is if you're protecting a pastor or if you're doing a site survey or something like that, that, you know, this is how I would do it. And so when I went to the class, I came back with, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that's the way, that's the way Matt is as an instructor. It's like, yeah, absolutely. What you, what you know right now is fantastic for where you're at, but he always likes to throw stuff out that just pushes you a little bit further to think yeah. through, well, wait a second. I never even thought about that. And, um, so I'll throw it to you, throw it to you, Paul. And you can, we're all wearing our Shield Four shirts today, yep. too. By the way, <laughs> so so this is kind of a dream. This is kind of a dream come true for me because I am that Semper Disciplina always training guy, and I have, especially with my son being out of high school and and different different demands as I get as I'm more and more Dave Ramsey esque and getting closer to out of debt. There's opportunities for me to go. Uh, train even more but for for two of my friends to be able to go that i have a very close relationship with and come back and be like whoa um this is this is going to bless your families your church your day-to-day -day life it affects how i sit in a restaurant now i always tried to have my back to a wall right but but how i sit where i sit and even how i think about okay so my wife and i are out to dinner I'm probably not going to go interdict the threat. I'm going to get my wife out of here. And right. or in this situation, like when I joined my new church, I was given permission from uh, somebody that was highly placed in the security team to carry as a non-member. They see, they saw my bona fides and they're like, go for it. I positioned myself right physically next to an exit where I could grab my wife. And you guys had that hand on your neck, you had that hand yep. on your shoulder, that hand on your belt. Yeah. And that, that go, move, 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 move. Yes. And so out that side door and I could have gotten my wife to safety because at that point I didn't know who the safety team was, who's armed, who's not. They don't know me. I don't have a badge. I don't have anything that can show, don't shoot me, I'm a good guy. So so in that at that point, when I wasn't actively part of our security, it completely changed the way I approached that situation because my personality is run to the sound of the guns. But my my uh my person of interest, my client, what's the word I'm looking for, guys? My principal. Uh, my principal, thank you. My principal <laughs> is is my wife in that instance, and I'm gonna get her to safety. And so she is, she is number one. And then anybody who's had heavy law enforcement training or trained along line, alongside law enforcement, which um, we all have, and then you've got people with a military background, these are completely different mindsets than executive protection. And Absolutely. you see that, you, you guys got to see that in action. I mean, we had a guy that he was a body stacker in the army and then he went on to law enforcement. We had a guy in, in one of my classes that had been a Marine and he was very high speed. 
And they're thinking, counter ambush, take these guys out. The guys with the law enforcement training are like, hook them and book them, let's roll. And it's a completely different mindset. And, and it, in my possibly humble opinion, it needs to heavily invade the church safety world because you can protect your pastor, you can protect your congregation. And that's not even, I mean, we're just talking about physical security on site at your church. We're not talking yet about site surveys. We're not talking sure. about transporting people. So let's throw it back to you. Well, I think you're absolutely right. And I think the difference is we've talked about executive protection in the past and, and taking the class with Matt uh, gave me a different mindset. And that is that when you're protecting your pastor or you're focused on your pastor in that capacity, regardless of if you've had a, had a class or not, because I know some people do that regularly and don't always get to go to a class. Mm -hmm. um, but the reality is your mindset and what you're focused on is entirely different. And the reason it's different is because it has to be you, your responsibility changes. And at that point, you're responsible for getting that person to safety out of that situation. And I think generally as church safety and security team members, our mindset is address the threat, like go to the threat. Yep. And so it, it took me a little bit of time to get used to the idea of, no, you get this person, you get them out, you move them, you don't go back in, you stay with that person and you let things happen where they're going to happen. And um, there was, uh, I don't know. I mean, it was, it was, it was pretty amazing. I mean, we did hands-on stuff, um, learning a few things that I thought was invaluable with how to move someone, um, how to, like if somebody's creating a disturbance in your sanctuary, being able to grab them and move them without really hurting them. Yeah. Hooking over their shoulder, pulling them out. Yeah. Um, to things that I had never thought of before, like moving, um, moving somebody, getting somebody out of a car quickly, putting somebody in a car quickly, moving the car quickly. And, you know, to the point of in this, in this four day class or three day class, um, we actually had scenarios where we had to go do assessments, you know, reconnaissance, track somebody on social media through, uh, through that trail. Uh, transport someone. We had a, a a motorcade essentially of vehicles that were transporting somebody, and different scenarios thrown in that we wouldn't normally um, we wouldn't normally have had that experience. So, um, but I'll throw it to Mike. Uh, you were going to say something. Yeah, I think it was very interesting in the in the sense of when you start looking at the protection mindset that we all have, but you do it with a principle where you're mobile and not just in your church. We have the very uh, high likelihood that we can become complacent because we think we own and, and, and have our environment locked down. Mm -hmm. Well, we're there for that reason. We're, it's not that we're not looking for the threat or not prepared for it, but it, it really was good in that sense, James, that you mentioned mindset is that it totally did change the mindset when that that addressing the principle and and for many of us we're, we may not have um direct protection of our pastor per se we may not we may be doing more of a wide zone coverage or things like that where we're not quite picking them up we're not working on foot movement we're not ushering our pastor in and out of his vehicle uh, so there were skills there that obviously are are above and beyond and outside necessarily the scope of what we do typically in a church security environment.
But yeah, those escort holds, the the ability to say, hey, I have a duty and that duty is to immediately affect the position that I'm in. And one minute your position could be this, but then the threat changes and you have to pick up that slack and become the different position because your team's depending on it. So I think that part was tremendously valuable of looking at it and saying each person has a role. And they have to play that role well, or the sound of the music is not going to be pretty. Well, and and to jump on that real quick too, Mike, it was if that person doesn't understand their role and doesn't play their role and play it well, that impacts the entire team and it impacts the success of the team. And, you know, we we were basically, and, and Mike and I were split up on two different teams, but on my team, we were given three stops with a random... Uh, surprise stop where where the f- person we were transporting decided at the last minute that they wanted to go check check something out, and um, I was actually a driver for for the motorcade. I had the lead one of the the principal vehicles, and um, what was cool about it was I'm you know I'm driving and I pass this this car and I see it sitting off on the shoulder and I'm like okay don't see many cars on the shoulder, but there's a white car sitting there. So we pass and we get on the interstate and we're, we're driving into Springfield and I see that white car, two cars back all of a sudden. And I'm like, okay. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, this guy's, this guy's probably following us. So I, I turned to, to uh, my team lead who was sitting next to me. And I said, Hey, uh, Brett, I said, I think, I think we've got a shadow. And he's like, what's up? And he's like, do we need to deviate? Because we had to plan out routes to transport these folks. So he's like, do we go to the secondary or third route? Or And I said, no, I don't think it's a threat, but we need to stay. We'll stay here. So this car pulls up and tries to, to pull in between our motorcade, right? Just as an unassuming driver. And so I slowed down and the, the gentleman behind me in the car following me sped up. And so we, we closed that gap. And there was no, yeah. So that car took off. And then later Matt, uh, Matt was hassling me. He's like, that car was following you. You should have said something. And I said, but I, he's like, you didn't, you didn't say anybody was following you. And I said, well, I, I didn't, but I knew he was following me. And I said something, you know, and we handled it. And he's like, you got to communicate with your team. (laughs) (laughs) It was very, it was really interesting because in, in a similar scenario, we had that unannounced stop. And I had the opportunity to uh, kind of in true pastor protection style, I was on the principal and we had two. So our, our, our lead and myself, we had to split in the middle of this store that we had not prepared for. And so we are because it was a surprise stop. So we're, we're each on our individual principal protectees, essentially. So if we carry this forward as if it was your pastor and you're protecting them in close proximity, but you've gone beyond the primary spot of maybe the stage or immediately in the front of the auditorium, and you've now entered perhaps the lobby, perhaps you've gone out to the front steps. That's what this environment presented for me. And sure enough, we get a person that just is appeared to be up to no good, was eyeballing the, the principal, and at that point, it was a matter of interdicting that threat placing yourself between the possible threat and the principal. And that was a total different piece of this training Mm -hmm. that 
we've all trained for different sorts of levels of protection and certainly watching the back of our pastor, but not necessarily interdicting a uh, heavy-handed threat, a knife threat, or or a physical threat where they're going to come and tackle or, or take out your client. So this was a whole different layer of footwork and training around how do you position yourself? How do you put yourself there? What do you do with your hands? How do you even, with the de-escalation, so it was a matter of saying, hey, playing the person's the person's name, hey, hey, John, are you John? John, are you, what are you doing here, John? What are you trying to do? And and so it was really interesting in the sense of, of trying to block that person and not let it escalate into something, but then recognizing that when the person when the principal did not know, this now became a hot extract. We're not going to just stay there and wait for this to escalate to a point where now it's out of the control. Mm-hmm. We got to get back to the car. And so it was just, it was a tremendous uh, real life scenario that we got to play out on that last day that the, it was intense. I mean, the, 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 the letdown the next day <laughs> of, of that adrenaline dump was, was, was huge. And, but yet I could see how so many pieces of what we learned can translate back and I could not only use myself, but I can now bring back to my team and change some of the ways that we do things. Amen. So this is, you guys have got me on one of my favorite topics. Number one, I absolutely love executive protection. And I think it is almost hands down the best training I've had, if not the best training I've had. And the fact that you guys are coming back from the same instructor, from the same type of training, and we can talk intelligently about the exact same thing from experience is, you know, I'm giddy. Um, you know, I want to, I want to start off by saying that Matt will travel, uh, around the country. Absolutely. And so if you are going, wow, this sounds really cool. All three church safety guys had their minds blown by this. Um, it's not just Paul, get a hold of shield force international, get a hold of Matt and say, Hey, I, I think we'd like to have a customized training where take executive protection and slam it together with church safety, which he teaches both phenomenally well. I mean, hanging behind me, wrong side, hanging behind me is his edged weapon certificate right now. I was looking at that earlier and that's another great one to take. Um, You'll come back bruised, but um, he will come out to your church and he will teach on your home court. He will teach you how to look at that completely differently. And so it's not one of these things where you're like, well, gee, I'm 10 hours from I'd have to drive 10 hours one way to get to Springfield, Missouri. Oh no, he'll come to you. Uh, and I, I've put these in order of priority here just to get through them really quickly. Um, assessing the threat level that you're dealing with. If your pastor comes to you and says, hey, I just wanna let you know, um, I was counseling a couple and the guy threatened to kill me. Oh, okay, um, was this a passing threat? Well, the guy's got a history of violence. Oh really, like what? Uh, well, I'm pretty sure he went to prison for beating a guy with a baseball bat and he threatened to shoot me in the face. Okay, so so you guys have been through this and you've been through that phone call where you're talking to the to the principal. You need to be able to have that conversation with your pastor and hopefully you've built a friendly relationship, a personal relationship, but you've maintained a professional situation there where you can look at them and say, "Okay, what's your what's your honest feeling on this? A lot of pastors will try to downplay a threat. Um, My last pastor before he passed away, he was counseling a couple and it went something like, um, you need you need to stop having an affair, beating your wife, and get off methamphetamine. I'm gonna kill you. And uh, I mean, that was just that was how the conversation went. And he kind of he brought it to our attention. It was a passing threat. The guy was not serious. So that's two. We talked about customized classes. 
Um, staying calm and professional is a huge thing. If you can stay calm and professional, James, you're driving and you say, uh, hey, Mike, I think we may have picked up a tail or you've got a code word. Um, you know, hey, how was that Coke you had earlier? If you've got a code word for it or something, if you can stay professional and keep your client calm, the calmer your client is, your your spouse, your kids, your mom, your pastor. Um, if you're on a road trip and you think somebody has seen uh, Grandview Baptist Church on the side of your church and you think that they're targeting you uh, because of it, you've got radio communication between your vehicles. Um, without comms, you got nothing. And one of my favorite instructors says that. Um, and so the more calm and professional you can be, the better. Um, this lady that we escort her in and out of our church when she comes to services, um, she was shook up recently at one of the services and like, I'm so sorry I'm being a pain. And I'm like, you are not being a pain. This is part of our ministry. This is what we do. And the more, you know, by the way, can you do me a favor and get me a couple of pictures of this guy? So that's, that's basically three, um, assessing your threat level and remaining calm and professional. This literally if you have an understanding of site surveys and your pastor says, hey, we're going to go out to this location and the choir is going to sing. Well, in case there's a disruption, how do you get people off the stage? If you have a guest speaker that comes in that has special needs, have you cleared the bathroom in advance of them getting in there? Remember, Billy Graham had a crew of people that went into his hotel room ahead of him and swept it to make sure that there was nobody hiding in the closet. People laughed about that. That's a real thing. Post, post, um, executive protection training, you guys would be like, absolutely, there's no way I'd let him go in there first. And then it changes the way you protect your family, where you sit and why. And then um, it has taught me a lot about being a scalpel, not a sledgehammer, because it, it's a lot of executive protection is we win that battle if we're not there. We win that battle if we leave when we see the threat, if we can get out of there or involve law enforcement, whatever. And then I will tell you one of the biggest things in a pinch, if you're traveling cross country, and you, um, Matt taught me this. If you're traveling from one place to another and you, you need to know where the nearest hospital is. So if you're coming across Arkansas on 40, you need to know where are the nearest hospitals. You need to know where are the nearest police stations. Somebody decides that they don't like the logo from your church on the side of your van and they're following and running up on you and flipping you off. And the Arkansas State Police are nowhere nearby where's the closest police station? And so you need to have a driver that, that is delegating to somebody that is saying, hey, get us to the closest police station, closest police station, four minutes, get off on exit three. Um, you need to have, you need to have spare tools in your vehicle and all these things. They make, they make sense when you really, you just go, well, that's, that's dumb. Everybody should do this. But a lot of executive protection is, is there enough air in the tires? Is there enough fuel in the tank? Is is the thing going to overheat because it's low on radiator fluid? These are all things he talked about. And you can win a huge amount of these battles because if you're stuck on the side of the road, and I know we're just a little bit over, if you're stuck on the side of the road, guess what just happened to your threat level? Just from random threats. You could be hit. You've got a kid on the side of the road that's standing out there and bam, they get hit by a car and you're taking the youth group on a float trip. Do you have proper medical? Do you know the medical needs of the people in your group? Does this person have a... Um, a health issue that you need to know about. And all of these things break down. Um, I was going to go back to site surveys for a minute and then just maneuvering. So if you're, let's say, uh, James, you're driving and you probably look at driving differently now. It Today I pulled up in traffic and I had positioned myself where there was a lane to my left. There was a lane to my right. There was nobody in the lane to the right, which was a turning lane. 
I looked at the distance between the vehicle in front of me, the vehicle behind me, and, and I've always been good about spatial awareness. My parents taught me that while driving, but I was like, I could totally swerve into that lane to avoid a collision or avoid a threat. And if I had to go around somebody in the turning lane, I could go around them to the outside. So again, I'm, I'm gushing, but we're, you know, we talked about drinking from the fire hose. I'm regurgitating from the fire hose, but there's so much stuff here that if your church is willing or you're willing to pony up and, and pay the money, sacrifice a safe queen, uh, do, you know, um, people will go to Daytona and spend huge amounts of money. They'll save up to go to something like this. Daytona might be fun, but this can save your bacon. So James, oh, I mean, I'll just say, cause yeah, we are a little bit over, but uh, we, we can wrap it up. I mean, this is, we could spend a whole nother hour just talking about mm -hmm. it and mm -hmm. we probably will um, before, before too long, we'll probably do another episode of just talking about it. But I think honestly, it's being, it's, it's not being prepared. It's being better prepared because I think a lot of times we think of like, you know, throw tools in the, you know, throw tools in the truck. Well, what type of tools, like what, what could, you know, and I'll go back to, to Tina Lewis Rowe, what could go wrong if yeah. it could go wrong, you know, okay, I have a first aid kit. Do I have, and, and a lot of those questions you already ask. So it's not, you know, it's not something that you wouldn't normally think about, but, um, you know, a lot of people, it's funny because I've had people at my church say, well, it's 10 hours, you know, you drove 10 hours and I'm like, well, it was really, I, I drove seven hours and then I picked up Mike. So that was, that was pretty fun. But uh, you know what, would I drive 10 hours again to, to do one of Matt's classes like that? Absolutely. I mean, without, without a second thought, I would drive there because, um, you know, I just, it was, it was good. So, um, but yeah, we'll wrap it up. I'll throw it back to, to you, Paul. You wanted to say something. I do. Mike, do you have anything before I, before I jump on? I had one sentence that came out of that, that ultimately <laughs> feeds us that I think recognition eliminates surprise. And that came straight out of the course. And I think it was one of those gold pieces that we knew that anyway, but I, I go back to that itself. We are seeking to recognize what's happening so that we eliminate the surprise so that we can respond quicker. And we're not on our back foot. We're on our forward foot ready to respond. I like that. The, so just quickly, uh, Google Street View is absolutely your friend. Uh, if you, let's say that you are in charge of security and you've been asked to go on a band trip or whatever the equivalent is with your church. And uh -huh. they, they say like, a lot of us are like, okay, what is the cheapest place we can stay? Okay. Um, maybe we should also look at Google street view and realize that three of the houses on the same street have been burned to the ground and look at, look at what the reviews are for the hotel, because a little bit of a recon for a $5 difference in room price. Uh, you go yeah. from a two star to a three and a half or a four star and and you're looking at the that the neighborhood around it and going, OK, there's not an abandoned car at this hotel, but there is one there and it's on blocks. And I have personally pulled up to a hotel with my son. He thought it was a delightful adventure, but we pulled up to a hotel in a town that I won't name. And when we got to our room, there was a broken meth pipe on the floor. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just one of those things we were getting eyeballed by people in the neighborhood. They were watching us take stuff out of the car and, uh, we made different arrangements and, uh, it was one of those things that, uh, especially post executive protection training, I'd be like, 
we're wheels up and out of here. Let's roll. So, it, it, I, I'm just going to say, don't think because uh, Joe uh, Joe Browning posted, thanks for the info, definitely checking out the training. I don't think, I mean, there were, there were police officers there that were doing the training as well. I mean, there was just about every every background you could imagine there. And then there were people from church safety that were like, hey, I just want to learn more. And so it is an application process. Matt limits who and how many people he has in each class. Mm -hmm. um, he does it. He usually does it twice a year. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, check him out. Visit yeah. visit his website. Message. He does. He goes all over the country. And one of the biggest things that he mentioned to to Mike and I was, you know, tell let people know that you know I will go anywhere. I will do whatever I can because he is very, very passionate about helping churches. And, um, you know, he's, he's a believer. He helps in his, his own church safety team. Um, and is just a, a great, just a great guy to, to hang out with. I wish we could have spent more time hanging out actually, um, right. than we had, cause we didn't, he was, he was stressed out <laughs> and for making things work to go right. Parts in the background. Yeah. Because that, that whole time, for, for you guys that are listening at home that didn't experience this, he has you share the location off your phone. And so a lot of people that have iPhones, because he's currently running an iPhone, or at least he was, he knows where you are. So he sees you while you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. <laughs> and he's got all these moving parts. And he's he's zipping around across town with two separate crews. Uh, yeah, he's pulling yeah. the strings in the background. And uh, I was giving him a hard time. I put like a hat in front of my face when he went to take my picture. And he's like, what? I got to take your picture. And I said, yeah, you're a double agent. You're going to give this to the guy that's the threat. But he's he's setting you up to succeed, not setting you up to fail. And so he, he literally had a lot of pressure on him in the background. And then to come back to what James said, when he does an executive protection class in his hometown, a lot of times he's grooming people to potentially work for him. He's law enforcement. He does executive protection. Um, I've gone in and done site surveys for him a couple of times in, in potentially high threat, high risk environments and data dumped information for him. Um, you guys are both IT guy, strong backgrounds and, you know, Scott aerial view stuff and dropping pictures in and lines and stuff. And he loved it, but he also will come you and build a custom a custom thing around your church and if you're cross-pollinating church safety with executive protection that's that hybrid is amazing and i mean we I, literally without belaboring it we cannot stress enough how how good and high, how high quality this stuff is and joe uh shout out to you buddy uh, i can't recommend his stuff enough so gentlemen anything else are you ready for me to pray us out uh you know, we'll we'll come back to the topic because I know we could spend another hour talking about it. So next week, real quick, um, we are going to be talking about uh, the church and current culture. It's a little bit different for us, but we're going to have a guest on Dwayne Harris from Full Armor Church will be joining us. And we'll actually be talking about uh, how your church is involved in in the community and culture and the culture of the election coming up and you know we're going to have a discussion about this before and after we've i've had a, a few churches reach out to me uh and in general reach out to us about you know how does my church handle whatever happens how do we prepare for whatever happens good or bad after the election and so uh we're gonna try not to get extremely over political about it but you know i had the opportunity to talk to Dwayne. um 
he is a is a, a well seasoned officer, um, and and is a pastor uh, with his denomination. And he was just throwing stuff out to me that I think it would be very beneficial for for you to listen, and also for your pastors and your church leadership to listen. So definitely share share the info with them. So that's next week. Uh, the following week, we will have uh, Dale Henderson from Centurion's Faith come on. Uh, Dale is a chaplain uh, that we are, uh, our ministry is partnering with him also, and I believe he's in Georgia, um, but I've had some great conversations with him, and he's do doing a great job, great ministry um, of supporting and mental health and trying to help those behind the badge. So, and first responders. So uh, he'll be joining us on November 1st. And so we've got a great lineup coming up between now and Thanksgiving. You don't want to miss it. And uh, I will throw it to Paul. So you can close us in prayer and we will see you next week. <laughs> Generally, Father, Lord God, I thank you for friendship. I thank you for opportunities like these, Lord God. I thank you for Matt Combs and and the ministry that he has, the the company that he has that can teach so many different things in so many different directions. I thank you for the, the opportunity that we have, Lord God. We come humbly and we present the things that we've learned. Um, we get to have a lot of fun doing it, Lord God. But our goal is to better prepare your people in, in the church as a whole for the day that the enemy comes against us, Lord God. And I ask for a blessing and a protection over all those who are listening that you would keep uh, each each part of the church, wherever we happen to meet, safe. And Lord God, I ask that you would uh, just guide us closer to you and uh, be with us with our needs, whether they be physical or, or mental or, or material, uh, even money, Lord God. We lift these things up to you in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So thanks for, for hanging out with us, guys. Thanks for watching. Be sure to visit our website, churchsafetyguys.com, uh, for more resources. And we have a lot of churches that reach out to us through the website for uh, for devotionals. We actually we have the ability now to uh, drop ship devotionals. And uh, I had a church contact me like two days ago to to purchase a large quantity to hand out to their local law enforcement. So um, definitely reach out to us if there's some way that we can. Uh, we can help. And we also have a bonfire site where we have uh, mugs on there for church safety guys and, and also some clothes and shirts and all that fun stuff. So part of that purchase comes back to, to our ministry. So, uh, you know, part of every purchase from that site uh, comes, comes back to us. So um, other than that, I am going to uh, say we will talk to you next week. So <laughs> have a great night, guys. Take care. God bless. We'll talk to you. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for joining the Church Safety Guys broadcast. We hope that you found it informative and we appreciate your feedback. Looking for ways you can help us reach more churches? Share our broadcast with your teams consider becoming a monthly ministry partner. Like and share our page and join the discussion in our Facebook groups. Visit our website at churchsafetyguys.com for other great resources. Remember to keep a servant's heart, a mindset of ministry, and semper disciplina. Always be training. Have a blessed week.